0: You're listening to a message from Highway Church, entitled, Get on the Highway, Part 3. Enjoy. Jesus is so good. Prior to Jen coming here last week, we were talking about getting on the highway. This is only our fourth service here in the warehouse. We were talking about getting on the highway. And we said this, a generic knowledge of God won't do it won't do. And I shared with you from my childhood the generic groceries that my mom would bring home and put in the pantry, right? And I remember there were some common cereals in our house growing up. One of them was grape nuts, and one of them was Cheerios. And I used to like to pour the grape nuts over top of the Cheerios, so those little grape nuts would sit in the holes, you know, and then you'd put raisins on there, and that was good. But uh one day she came home, and instead of that beautiful yellow Cheerios, Cheerios box with a nice pictures on it and the fun games on the back, I looked in the pantry, and there were just these white boxes in there. And I, I thought, that's what happened. And you pull it off the shelf, and it's a white box, no design whatsoever, solid white box. They don't make these anymore. But, and on that front of that white box is just simple block, black lettering, says toasted oats. I was a little afraid when I saw that. And uh, so I was told that they taste, they're the same thing as Cheerios, just they they don't spend all the money to put the fancy packaging. That was completely false. Did not taste like Cheerios. I mean, there are some similarities, but it was not the same. And many people are going through their daily life with a generic knowledge of God. There are some similarities, but it's nothing like the real thing. So as I got older and in my adult life, I began looking for brands that are synonymous with quality. I began to desire quality. When I pour milk in my bowl and I put that spoon in my mouth, I want a crunch and I want it to be good. Not not 50% of what it could be. I want 100% quality. Do you know that paying less money up front does not mean you got the best deal? Some people, in order to save money, try and look for the lowest-priced item. You may spend less money up front, but what it costs you is worth much more. In other words, your time, when we're talking about life, your time is your most valuable asset. Your time is infinitely more valuable than your money. If you want to prosper, you've got to know that. Your time is infinitely more valuable than your money. Now, we bought our first home back in 1999, and, and uh, I started to get some, some tools to take care of the place, and I got this little trimmer. We didn't have much of a yard, it was a little yard, and I got this trimmer at Home Depot. And, you know, it was, a, it was a brand that wasn't known for quality, but it was okay. And it pretty much did the job for that little yard that we had. But every once in a while, you had to give it a, a Fonzie, you know, and hit it and, <laughs> and shake it or do something to it, you know, to keep it running. But as we, we lived there for a while, and the Lord, we knew the Lord was moving us forward to a next step. And so we, we moved into our new home uh, in 2008 and with a lot more land and the tools that I had bought for the for the place where I was couldn't cut it for the place where the Lord brought us it's time to change so I got my little thing and went out there at our new property with five acres of land and that thing died in two weeks (laughs) couldn't handle it so I started doing research that I need a trimmer that can just just take down whatever I need to take down. And so I did some research, and I got a real, I went for the, the two, there are two brands that stood out above everyone else, and I went for one of those brands. And I got that, and now when I, now I paid more money for that trimmer up front, but I got the best deal. I could have bought something that was less money up front, but how much, how much, uh, Does it cost you when you pay less up front, but you go to get the job done and your tool breaks? Now, how much time is that going to take to repair that or to go back, go shopping again, get another one, when I could have had the job done already? One hour of your time is very valuable. I don't have an hour to waste. I need to maximize every moment. When you find a quality brand, it changes the way you live. It changes the way you operate. To go where God wants you to go, to experience the abundant life He came to give you, you're going to have to get rid of thoughts that you once thought were quality or good for you. There are ideas we've had of God that just aren't going to take us there. Jesus is the name brand of God. He is heaven's name brand, and there's no generic brand that will do. That means every belief I have about God and myself should agree with the ministry of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. If I've come to conclusions about God that can't be supported by the person and ministry of Christ as recorded in the Scriptures, I've come to wrong conclusions and they're not going to work. So if you're going to... You need a a brand in your life that can overcome the issues you're facing. Jesus is that brand. Your life... Your time, your talents, your money, your resources. You are too valuable to trust with any other brand than Jesus. You're too valuable. You're too important. You matter too much to God and to what's happening in the earth right now. It's time to, to believe in who Christ Says he is. He is your healer. He is your provider. He is your righteousness. I'll tell you another story. Back in 1999, when we bought our first house, I went into full-time ministry after uh, transitioning. And the pastor who was was uh, training me, he said, "You need a laptop." didn't have one. I didn't want one. This is back in 99 now, almost 20 years ago. Things were different then. Uh, computers weren't incorporated into everything we do like they are now. But I had my system way of doing things, I didn't want a laptop. I thought, why would I want that? I don't want to carry around something you have to plug in. It needs a battery. There was stuff inside of me. So I, so I, I just said, okay, I'll, I'll get one. And I, I, again, I shopped and went for quality. Now, there are, I'm not going to mention the, the name of these brands, but I went with one particular brand that was very popular. And it was a, a quality computer laptop in that brand. And that's all I knew. It's the first time I ever really used a laptop. So I didn't know what to expect. So I started learning about it. I started studying the operating system and all the commands and the software. And, and I became a power user. Very powerful, uh, very, very skilled in using that particular type of computer. And this is all I knew, but sometimes this computer would freeze. I'd be working, and it'd just freeze. I had never used one. I just thought, well, and it happens so frequently. I thought, well, this is just how computers are. We're talking about your beliefs in God. So if you're not used to the real Jesus, you'll just think that's the way things are. You don't know how good your life can get until you start following the real Jesus. So here I am doing my work and my skill level, you know, the years have gone by now, four or five years. I'm I'm, I'm a power user, but I'm used to things just freezing. And then these blue screens, you know, the screen would go blue. And and during that time, I ended up going to a conference in Nashville and someone else recommended another brand of computers to me. And I said, you know what, I'm going to try that. So in my office, I had two desks. I had one with this brand and one with this other brand. And I ran them side by side for probably a couple years. And I noticed that this new brand never froze. And the work I was doing on this new brand was more demanding the work I was doing on my original brand. So I'm sitting there on this original. I'm watching that one go, processing these very demanding files and just doing it like butter. I said, wait a minute. (laughs) In the time, that year or two that I had the new one, I had to rebuild the old one, I think, four times. What do you mean by rebuild? I had to start from scratch. I had to reinstall the operating system, update everything, reinstall the, the applications, all my data, which for me took about 40 hours. That's a full work week. This original computer cost much less than the new one I got. How much is 40 hours of work worth? The new one, so I decided at some point, I'm going to switch to just using this new brand. And I did. And you know, it saves me about an hour and a half of time every day. Does that add up fast? And I switched back in maybe 2008, about 10 years ago, and I'll never go back. Because when I sit down to do the work I need to do, I know it's going to happen. I know it. I don't even think about it. It's, it. I've never had any blue screens. There may have been one time when I did something. But for the most part, I haven't had any of the issues that I used to have. And one of the key reasons I found out is the new one has a different operating system. It's something that's very stable that the military uses. I like that. Remember, I'm looking for quality. Here's what you need to know. Your beliefs, whatever they are, are your operating system. Whatever you believe about God doesn't mean if it's true or it doesn't matter if it's true or not. Whatever you believe about God, whatever you believe about yourself and other people, that's your operating system. And if there are any beliefs inside of me that don't line up with the person of Jesus, my operating system is vulnerable to viruses. See, this old system was very vulnerable to viruses. This new one, it's like I didn't even have to think about it. I used to have all this security software on my old one, you know, the best suites you could buy that he had to update regularly. And he even still got a virus. And see, that's when you don't know Jesus, you you try and build this security into your life. You've got all these ways of trying to protect yourself from getting hurt, right? And And you put all of these different things in place in your life, but it doesn't work. You still get hurt. But with this new belief system where I believe that Jesus came to give me life and life abundantly, that he bore my sicknesses and carried my diseases, that he is the author and finisher of my faith, that he's the first and the last, that he's accomplishing the things that concern me, that he's working all things out for my good, that he took my sin and gave me his righteousness, that there is therefore now no condemnation for me, I become strong and not vulnerable to the lies of the enemy like I was. So at Highway Church, we've got name brand Jesus. That's all we've got. We don't serve the other stuff. We have no religion to give you. We're not interested in giving you my philosophies or anybody else's. We want you to experience the real Jesus. And that's what it says on our website. It says our purpose is to help people enjoy a real relationship with the real Jesus. Don't think for a moment just because you've been to church you know the real Jesus. Let's go to John fourteen six. John 14, 6. See, religion is a, is a low-quality brand of spirituality. It's a low-quality brand. It, it doesn't have the same stuff that Jesus has. Religion and different religious philosophies and the ideas of man, they'll give you the appearance of spirituality. And they'll tickle your ears and they'll make you sometimes feel like, okay, I'm doing something good. But when it comes down to facing the issues of your life and walking in the victory Christ provided for you, religion will fail every time. Every time. That's why we say we're never going to go to church again. Don't ever come to church. Come to experience Christ. We gather to experience Jesus. We became the church when we put our faith in Him. We're not here to fulfill a religious duty or obligation. We're here to grow in Christ. John chapter 14, verse 6. And this is who we put on every day. We put on Jesus. Get on the highway and put on the real Jesus. Jesus said very clearly, he said, I'm the operating system you need. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. I'm so thankful for him Because there's no beating around the bush with Jesus. Don't beat around the bush in your life. The reason we beat around the bush is because we're afraid to just say what we really need to say. Just say it. Save yourself the time. He just comes out and says it, right? I am the way. I'm so glad he said the way. Because it's true. In other words, there's no other brand that compares to me. I'm the brand you need to wear when you leave your home, when you go to bed at night. I'm the brand, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, now he's talking to guys who've been walking with him, traveling with him, and he didn't know him. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord... Show us the Father, and it's sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? He who has seen me has seen The Father. Knowledge of Jesus is knowledge of the Father. God should not be a mystery to you. If he is, you need to study Jesus. He's revealed himself to the world. Put Hosea 4, 6 up there. How we doing, guys? Good? We're still awake? We're going to get everything God has for us. Wouldn't it be a shame if you went to the the best restaurant in town and you left before the entree came? Ah, paid all that money, right? Hallelujah. This is a very important scripture. My people were destroyed for lack of knowledge, knowledge of the Father, knowledge of Jesus, knowledge of God's love for you. Knowledge of how God will respond to you. Knowledge of what God has already provided for you. It's so important to remember, it does not say my people were destroyed because God caused something bad to happen to them. He doesn't do that. That's lack of knowledge to think that way. Lack of the knowledge of God. If I think God brought about some tragedy in my life to teach me something, I've got, I've got a, I'm exposing myself to viruses. My operating system, i got a belief in there that needs to go. God doesn't do that to people. He's a good father, right? So we, we want to we uh, fill in any holes in our beliefs. Is there anything I believe about God? Do I believe that he's punishing me? Do I believe that he allowed me to go through abuse as a child to try and teach me something? That's a wrong knowledge of God. God doesn't do things like that to children or to adults. If you'll come to Jesus, open up your Bible. Anyone have a hard copy Bible with them? Get a hard copy. Come on, get that hard copy. Your life's too valuable to go through life just scrolling through on your phone and your Bible. You need to eat this thing. You can't eat it enough just on a, on a phone enough, okay? Get a hard copy. Eat this thing, all right? Read it. Underline it. Mine's new, so it's still pretty clean. But you, can, you well, here's a page. Let's see. See, it opened right to this page, Matthew 8, because I go there a lot. Isn't that something? There's no marker in there. I just go there so much. But can you can see, I don't know. if You can see that writing. See all this stuff? I just got this, but that's what happens. That's, that means that you've been chewing on it, see? These are signs of eating. So your Bible shouldn't be totally clean unless you just brought it home from the store, right? So you see this in about a year. There's going to be a lot more crumbs on it. <laughs> you should have a crummy Bible, right? Lots of crumbs. You know what I started doing? Uh, my dad was a pharmacist. You know the symbol for, for a pharmacy that's an R with a tail and the X? So next to all the healing scriptures, I put that symbol. Because God's faith in Christ is a recipe for healing, Right? That, that's my prescription, that's right. believe. So I've got one here, here. I've got one page, one, two, three, four, five, six. I've got six symbols on one page. See, we, we can't with well, just symbols. We put symbols next to verses. Do that, you know, healing symbols, forgiveness, righteousness, power, whatever. Mark it up. Eat it. Hallelujah. Okay, are you ready? Can I say this to you? I challenge you to receive this. When you put on the real Jesus, sin will no longer be a problem for you. I I just heard the the religious police pulling out there. The sirens are going off. When you put on the real Jesus, when you put your faith in who he really is, sin will no longer be a problem for you. Sin will lose its power over you. <laughs> Facebook, are we still on? Are you still on, Judah? Don't turn, don't, don't disconnect yet. This is not heresy. This is reality. What is sin's power over you? Where does sin's power over you come from? Fear. It all boils down to fear. That I've done something that I cannot change. Or or something's going to happen in my life because of what I've done. And and I'm never going to be the same. Or something bad is, is coming my way and there's nothing I can do about it. This is what's funny how Satan, and, and we know that Satan is real. My goodness, you don't have to follow Jesus long to realize that. But there are some believers who don't even understand who their enemy is. But Satan, he'll, he'll try and condemn you as if we're perfect people that, that are trying to maintain our perfection. Isn't that funny? Like, oh, I better not make that mistake because, you know, I'm, I'm, I've never made those before, right? Like we're, we're these perfect people and our goal in life is to maintain our batting average, right? A thousand. No strikes. I have great news for you. You've already blown it. <laughs> Your batting average is shot forever. You've already blown it. You're as far from perfect as you can get. Can I help you out? Come on. I caught myself this week. I was just thinking about so many things. I thought, wait a minute. I'm acting like I have to be perfect or something. What are you talking about? So you walk around on eggshells trying to meet some image of what you think you should be, and you're stressed. We're not perfect. Jesus is perfect. Because we put our faith in Christ, we're batting a thousand, man. He took our battering average and he gave us his. Hallelujah. Go, socks. Red Series champs. Woo. So you've already blown it. Satan tries you to to believe that you have somehow disqualified yourself from God. And the best you can do is try and earn your way back, but it's really hard. Part of that is true. We've all disqualified ourselves, right? Isn't that what it says in Romans chapter 3? We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? See, God's never made a mistake, never even come close he's never done anything wrong or evil okay his standard is to be just like him but we've blown that once you blow it it's done you can't get it back the only way to be made whole and restored now is by accepting what Christ did for you when you put your faith in Christ God takes your failings and he gives you Christ's success what a gospel Every failing. And you want to hear something more astounding? Not only every sin you've committed in the past, but any sin you could ever commit in your future. I mean, Satan will try and stop you any way he can. So if you receive forgiveness for your past sins, then you mess up again. He's says, oh, well, you know, you already received forgiveness for the past, but this one, you know. You can't expect God to forgive you for another one. I mean, come on, what what do you think, you're, you're running a charity here or something? But the reality is, before you were ever born, your sins were forgiven. All your sins were in the future. God has forgiven you for your past, present, and future sins. Hey! And no one can change that. No one can change that. A minister can't change that. A politician can't change that. The devil can't change that? Not drawing any correlations between the devil and politicians. Just, just kind of how that came out. <laughs> just laugh. Yeah. So look at 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Verse 1. My little children, it's good to know that we're children to the Father, right? No matter how sophisticated or advanced or knowledgeable you think you are, we are still children compared to the Father, right? And that's good. I like being his kid. Yes. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, it's over. Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Let me, let me a little more light up here. Okay, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. That's a capital A because we're talking about name brand Jesus, Jesus Christ the righteous. And look at verse two. And He Himself, Jesus Himself, is the full payment, the propitiation of our sin for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. This good news is for everybody. God's not holding anything against you. He's forgiven you of every wrong you've ever committed. All you got to do is put your faith in Him and receive it. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Now just go down a few more verses to verse 12. And He says this, I write to you, little children. Because your sins are hanging over your head like a dark cloud. Oh, I, I need to... Read what's up there. Because your sins are forgiven, you. Your sins are forever forgiven, you. You'll never be on God's bad side again. Well, he doesn't have a bad side, does he? <laughs> I'm writing this to you so that you'll know your sins are forgiven. Sin is no longer a problem for you. Jesus solved the sin problem. When you realize how much God loves you and what He's done through the sacrifice of His Son, sin will no longer be your master. If you're struggling with sin, there's a love deficiency in your knowledge of God. Look at Romans 6.14. Try and get through all this here. There's so much that's just so rich and so nourishing. Romans 6:14 in the NIV, "For sin shall not be your master when you get to heaven someday, that's not in there. Just read it. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under law, but under grace." Grace is the power to live free from sin. Amen. Yeah. I know this is dangerous ground for religious minds. And someone asked me, so what about someone who says they're saved but they're just deliberately, you know, living in sin? Well, they're not saved. It's just that simple. When you're born again, Truly born again, when you put your faith in Christ and the Holy Spirit regenerates your spirit, y- you just can't live that way anymore. I'm not saying you're perfect. I'm not saying you never deliberately make- keep sinning. you can't do it. And if someone's doing that, they're just not saved. All right? I'm not talking about someone struggling with an addiction that's different, or someone who's been in an abusive situation and, try- and struggling, that's different. and we're going to get to that. So stay with me, okay? But when you're truly born again, you're going to desire things that please God. Not all in one day, but I'll tell you, it comes pretty fast. Let's read this out of the Amplified. For sin shall not any longer uh, exert dominion over you. We're just reading the Bible. Since now you're not under law as slaves but under grace as subjects of God's favor and mercy. Who are you? You're a subject of God's favor and mercy. The message translation. Sin can't tell you how to live. (laughs) After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. Oh, it's so good to be free. Free. Come into the freedom. New Living Translation Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Boy, do Christians need to know this. This hasn't been preached, the opposite has been preached. You no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Wow. So I don't get up every morning and try to not sin. I don't think that way. I don't get, okay, okay. I'm up in the morning, okay. I really don't want to sin today. So I can't do that, and I can't do that, and I better not do that, and I certainly can't do that. And I don't even think about it. When I get up in the morning, I say, Good morning, Jesus. Let's walk. Take me forward. Lead me forward in you. Show yourself to me today. Reveal yourself more to me. Lead me into a deeper intimacy with you today. Sin's not even in the picture. What you think about, you end up experiencing, if you think about it long enough. Satan wants sin to be on your mind, so you keep doing it. What Jesus has done is set us free, so we don't have to think about it anymore. We're covered. We've got the insurance policy with every rider you can have on it, right? We're completely covered in Christ. We don't have to think about it anymore. All we think about is knowing him, the abundant life he came to give us, growing in intimacy with him. You try it from now on when you get up. Just start thinking about him. Don't start thinking about, isn't it amazing? Oh, we're getting ahead of it. But how Satan gets us is to think about ourselves, what we have and haven't done. And that's a trap. Listen, we know when we made a mistake, right? But the way to fix that is that we can't—we can't even fix our own mistakes. It's just true. We can't. Not the way he can. So instead of getting my mind on what I—my shortcomings and what I—no, I get them on him and who I am in him. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Have you ever looked in the mirror and said that? That's a great thing to say when you're brushing your teeth right well wait maybe after you spit then you can say it right? <laughs> that's gross so the way jesus responds is the way the father responds now we're just gonna have to move quickly i want to get into the last thing here uh john chapter 8 We looked at this two weeks ago, uh, verses 2 through 12. The way Jesus responds is the way the Father responds. I had the idea that God came came in with his wrath when sin was present, that he just was so mad at me if I messed up and thunder and lightning. But Jesus didn't display that ever in his ministry. Remember, we want to take any thoughts we have of God that don't line up with the person of Jesus and replace them with him, right? So if I'm expecting lightning bolts because I've made a mistake, that's, that's something I need to change right away, okay? How many, I hear so many believers say, you know, they'll tell a joke and then they'll step aside, like, they didn't want to get struck by lightning. Where's that thinking come from? A wrong concept of God. I said something wrong, pew. Isn't that a common saying? How many of you ever heard that? I see someone who they'll step aside like, you know, like God's going to zap them. What a, what, a, what a wrong concept of God that is. God's not in the business of zapping people. Remember when Jesus' disciples said, Lord, because they rejected Jesus and the gospel, and they're leaving town, and his disciples says, let's call down fire from heaven on them. He says, you don't know what spirit you're of. We don't operate that way. We heal and make whole. We don't destroy. I came to save, not to condemn. So in John chapter eight, we're just going to summarize it for time's sake. You know the, the religious experts trying to trap Jesus. They probably set up the whole scenario where they, they bring this woman who they say was caught in adultery, and they throw her at Jesus' feet. What nice people, huh? Religion is ugly. It's ugly. It's condemning. It's damaging. It's it's full of bondages. Get out of it as soon as you can. Come to Jesus. He'll set you free. And so they're asking him, they're saying, so what are you going to do about it? Send the lightning. right?" And I love Jesus. He doesn't even respond to their ignorance. But he stands up and he says uh, to them, let's see, what verse is that? And again, stoop down run to the ground. Verse 9, Jesus was left alone. Okay. Verse 7, he says, she, uh, and he says unto them, he that is without sin, in John 8, 7, He that is without sin among you, he that's batting a thousand, let him cast the first stone at her. Every single one of them walked away. And then he said to the woman, in verse 10, woman, where are your accusers? Has no man condemned thee? She said, no man, Lord. She never walked away. Isn't that good? There's something about the presence of Jesus that makes you want to stay. I love when Jen Tringale said last Sunday, the hallmark of this church is the presence of Jesus. There's something about when we get together, we don't want to go home. That's the presence of Jesus. There's just not enough pizza in the world to feed us for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So we got to go home and eat. Hallelujah. So he says... Uh, She says, No man, Lord. And he says unto her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And then what he says is so important, and it's connected to his response. He says, I'm the light of the world. I'm the light that sets you free from your past. I'm the light that sets you free from condemnation. I'm the light that separates you and sets you free from depression and anxiety. I'm the light you've been looking for lady, he that follows me, walks with me, shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So if I'm allowing condemnation and negative thoughts to dictate my attitude, I need to start walking in the light of Christ. First John 1.7 says this, we walk in the light as he is in the light, Yeah, and what happens? We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, what does it do? Cleanses us from all sin. Look at that word. Is that past tense or present tense? Here's the kicker. What Jesus did on the third day when He rose from the dead, is still as effective and powerful today as it was 2,000 years ago. The resurrection power of Christ is flowing freely to anyone who believed or would believe. The blood of Christ is cleansing today just like it did then. It is this cleansing agent in us and upon us that keeps us clean for the rest of our lives no matter what we do. No matter what we do, say it again, cause I know it makes people mad. No matter what we do, no matter what we do, no matter how many sins we commit. Oh boy, this pastor's really lost it now. You understand? Why am I saying that? Our focus is not on committing sins. People say you shouldn't preach this. You're gonna give people a a, a license to sin. People don't need a license. They do it anyway. This is freedom from sin. If I'm concerned about losing my salvation or messing up the plan of God for my life, I'm going to mess it up. I can't go forward in the freedom and liberty of Christ until I've, I've appropriated what He's done for me. Until I grab a hole, wrap my arms around the righteousness He's provided for me. And it is a righteousness that is eternal. That no one can take from you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. No one can change that. No mistake you make can change that. Hallelujah. What Jesus has done for us through his resurrection and the presentation of his blood in the heavenly tabernacle is a completed action in the past, but it has a continuous, ongoing effect now. Everything Jesus did for you was a completed action in the past, but it has a continuous, ongoing effect. Hallelujah. All right, we're going to bring this to a close here. Romans 8, chapter 1, verse... Romans, yeah, Romans 8, chapter... Romans chapter 8, verse 1. John 3.17 says, God did not send a son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. And he did it. There is therefore, Romans 8.1, there is therefore, now let's see what version, that's good, okay. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now I want to show you how religion does. How many in your Bible, your verse doesn't stop there? So if you look in your Bible, Romans 8.1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In some translations, like the King James, they have more text there. It says, Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. How many have that in their translation? That is not in the Greek. That is not in the Greek. You will not find that in the original manuscripts. Why did they put it in there? Religion. It's like they're translating, you know, they're translating the Greek and they're, wait a minute, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? Well, we've got to have some kind of a qualifier. Religion always has to have a qualifier to disqualify you, right? So let's add a qualifier that let's say, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit? Because if we tell people the good news, we're afraid they just might go out and you know do sin. That's fear. That's not in the, the New American Standard and several other translations Translate it correctly. They say, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why is that sufficient? The qualifier is in Christ. Christ is our qualifier. You don't need to add any qualifiers to your life and your righteousness. Christ is it. He's qualified you completely. And there's no sacrament you can go through that's going to improve upon that. There's no amount of prayers you can pray that are going to make you more righteous than what Christ already made you. This is it. This is the time to step in to our clothes, to wear Jesus everywhere we go, to know that we're righteous, that we're free from darkness, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Verse 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. We're thankful for the Old Testament law, for the Mosaic law, because it it helped man to see how desperately we needed saved. It was our tutor to point us to the salvation Christ would provide for us. But he's come, and it's been done away with, the New Testament teaches us. Have you read it? In Romans, right? And Hebrews and Galatians. Now we're walking under the, the, the freedom of the grace of God, which empowers us to have victory over sin. Here's the last thing. We went and saw a movie Tuesday. When? We went, went, Tuesday. Was it just you and I? That was our date, yeah. And it was a movie about Russ Taff. How many saw the Russ Taff movie? Anyone else see it? It was One Night Only, and it was called I Still Believe, and it's very relevant to what we're talking about. Rustaff is a legendary uh, singer, songwriter, six Grammys, ton of Dove Awards, um, did very well, but he revealed in this movie, this kind of a documentary on his life, and he's being interviewed, and talking about his life, that he was in bondage to alcohol for most of his career. And then he started sharing about his childhood, and he grew up in a home where his parents just beat him until um, he was, you know, black and blue and sore. they just, he'd just roll up in a ball on the floor, and they'd just kick him and punch him, and he was abused as a child. His dad was a preacher. Wonder why people don't want to come to church. <laughs> now, so his dad, he said, my dad preached a really hard gospel. He said, yeah, I guess. There's too many hard gospels being preached. We preach a gospel of grace because it is the gospel. And he talked about when he got older and he was married, just the, the thoughts he would have, the negative, demeaning thoughts he would have because he was basically made to feel he wasn't worth anything growing up. He was just a punching bag. And these thoughts got so strong, he was just in so much turmoil inside. He found, as he drank some alcohol, it kind of numbed him. And he said, wow, for a first time in a long time, I'm not feeling this anymore. So he drank more. But then he found the more he drank, they started coming back and it got worse. And he just kept drinking. It was too late by that point. He was hooked. So the the reason he started drinking was to numb himself from the painful thoughts and stuff spinning around inside of him that he couldn't get free from. And he grew up in church, a church, but they didn't know the gospel. And he didn't know how to get free from it. And here's the striking thing. So he became a very serious alcoholic, almost ruined his whole life, his, his marriage, his family. And I was astounded at what set him free. So he went through several rehab programs, and he'd be all right for a couple years, and then relapse. But you know what it was that set him free? The affirmation of a father. Here he was so many years later after going through all of these programs, and he was going to, to minister to a man who was in the hospital, getting ready to go to heaven. And he walked in the man's room, and the man reminded him of his father. He said it just kind of shocked him. He stood there like he was a little kid again. But this man was very kind. He was a believer. And he he encouraged him. He loved on him. He prayed for him. And he affirmed him. And he said it was something very powerful happening. As this man prayed for me, I felt all that junk inside of me go. Because now I had a father who was affirming me. And I never wanted to drink again. And I haven't. Condemnation is deadly. And religion will keep you there for the rest of your life. We can't play that game. God has affirmed you as his very own. 1 John 3, 1. Oh, I've got to read 1 John 5, I'm sorry. 1 John 5, then we'll go to 3. Verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you've got it. You have eternal life. You're not trying to get it. It's not based on your performance. It was a gift given to you through faith in Jesus Christ. And that you may believe. You're free to believe on the name of the Son of God now. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we desired of him. That's the operating system. That's our OS now. Verse 3. It's chapter 3, verse 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on you that you should be called children of God and that is what you are. The reason the world does not know us it didn't know him. So I thought of you guys as I was watching this movie, and I thought people need to know that God has affirmed them, that God is proud of you, that God loves you, that God's eyes twinkle when he thinks of you, that he smiles, that you're on his refrigerator, and no one will ever take you off. He loves you. But meditate on that. Don't let it be a passing thought. Make it a permanent reality of your heart and mind. I'm loved by him. That's what changes me. That God loves me. God loves me. Father, thank you for your amazing love. How great, how off the charts you are. Your love fixes every dark thing, every, everything we've been through. Your love heals and restores us from it. Holy Spirit, help us to become confident, sure and certain of how much you love us. Your love fixes everything. We embrace your love for us. We receive the affirmation of our Heavenly Father this morning. We are not bad. We are good. We are loved. We are cherished. We are precious. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are chosen by you. You've made us royal sons and daughters, co-heirs with Christ. And we embrace who we are in you. And we thank you for it. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good he is.